Hey folks, Big Jake here just to take a minute and remind you that Music the Lifeblood is not a politically correct podcast. So the following episode might have some colorful commentary on the subjects at hand. Listener discretion is advised. Sitting around with time to kill. If we don't do it, then no one will. Our eyes are cold, our thoughts are old. Fifteen minutes till we lose control. You are now listening to... Music, the lifeblood. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Music, the Lifeblood. I am your very humble host, Dustin. Join with me, as always, the butter to my bread, the gravy to my biscuit, the stripe to my zebra. I'll take it. Big Jake. We're going to run out of those pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to run out. Uh, Big Jake, what are we talking about today? Well, it is October. <gasps> so that can only mean that we are discussing the Danzig. <laughs> the Danzig. The Danzig. The Danzig, <laughs> the Danzig proper. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about how the gods kill by the Danzig. The God, people are gonna get so upset. <laughs> Everybody gets mad at me with the Deftones. I mean, I don't understand the the the, anger. the Led Zeppelin. Um, Ooh, that was bad. The Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> that was bad too. Not as bad as the one. Led Zeppelin. Uh, It'd be yeah. the Led Zeppelins. The Led Zeppelins. Plural. <laughs> that would be real bad. Notebook out. All right. So yeah, it's uh, we're 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 hot and sweaty into the Dan Zigabration action 2017. So <laughs> hot and sweaty is not. A good way <laughs> to describe the Danzig Abrasion. No, that probably is a good way to describe the Danzig Abrasion. Yeah, I think it is. This is uh, this is your second Danzig Abrasion, right? Is it? It is. Yeah. And this is is this the third year we've done it? The yep, yep. Did I miss? Are you sure I missed the first one? I feel like I was here. Nope. Okay. You okay. weren't. You okay. weren't. Not in what I call the before times. <laughs> <laughs> In the before time, <laughs> there was, there was a, there was a, a time past, a time gone past. <laughs> Back in the times we refer to as the troubles. <laughs> All right, so yeah, this is uh, this is the How the Gods Kill episode of the 2017 Danzig Abrasion. Indeed, we'll have another one coming up uh after this one too next so, october uh well obviously <laughs> no one more episode after this yeah, in yeah, the yeah, danzig abrasion <laughs> series so uh i'm looking forward to that one we're gonna do a doyle episode oh good yeah the new episode we're gonna talk about that new good good oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good <laughs> i'm pretty excited about it anyway so that's happening anyway uh stick around because there's lots of hot and heavy danzig action hot sweaty we're gonna we're gonna lube it up and we're gonna just jam you with, with how the gods uh, <laughs> oh my god uh, <laughs> worst comparison i've ever made all right before we get it too much into the show or the meat and potatoes of the episode right yeah. 
We want to tell you guys, the Music of the Light Blood does have a Patreon where we will take your money. All of it. Crowdfunding is the best. Just so you know, we this is the first episode that we are doing with the officially Music of the Light Blood crowdfunded Ultra Mega Computer. Yes. So we're podcasting uh, in the now. We have a monitor. We have a monitor. Like a real one. We have all kinds of goodies. A tower. Yes. Stereo system, mics, all kinds of stuff. So anybody that bought T-shirts, that sort of thing, thank you very much. Keep an eye out on the Music the Lightblood Facebook for other, you know, T-shirts. We got hoodies right now, hoodie hoodies that are only I think they're thirty six bucks. Yeah, yep, thirty six bucks. So go check that out if you want to pick up something. If you give money to us, it helps us make a better show. Uh, Beyond that, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. Snapchat. And I'll snap- never forget. In the Snapchat. Never yeah. forget. Big J's got the Snapchat. Hashtag never forget. And we want to remind you guys <laughs> that Music Delight Blood is on YouTube. I host a whenever I'm not tired show. It used to be every Thursday. Now it's well, here's when. <laughs> my deal. My deal is I want to make sure that I put out a quality. No, episode. for sure, I understand. I don't want to cut corners, quality so over quantity. If that means only two episodes a month, then I'll do two two episodes. Quality a month. over quantity, because there's oodles of editing. Uh, Music Light Blood is on YouTube. I host a show called Vinyl Thursday. Interviews, album reviews, just whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm listening to. You got to. some fodder for that coming up now. We do. You yeah, got some things. Yeah, I want to encourage everybody to check out. We just uh, just released the Sky Von Jane interview on episode of Vinyl Thursday. Sky sang for Son of Sam into the night. Mm-hmm. He's also in the Chelsea Smiles. He played in Bullets and Octane. He's done all kinds of really great stuff. So go check that out. Um, I just released a Son of Sam Songs from the Earth vinyl package opening episode, too. So all Danzig related. Danzig abrasion. Uh, that's it. And then, oh, yeah. Conversations from the Pit, also mm-hmm. on YouTube, hosted by myself and Music to Light Blood's own third man in the field, Mr. John Carter. Johnny C. All right, we'll be right back, and we're going to talk about how the gods kill. And now it's time for Music to Life Blood presents Great Moments in Rock History. James, we should do some shows with Danzig. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big Jake. Slightly less big, Dustin. (laughs) (laughs) Am I? I mean, I'm taller than you. I'm ready for it every time. We're we're getting into. We've gotten into this 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 pattern. Right. So I know what you're going to say. So I'm I'm having something ready every time. Uh, okay, How the Gods Kill. It's an album. You are new to this album. I am new to this. Okay, this is every October. Every October is Dancing Abration. Woo! And then behind the scenes, it's Teach Me Everything About Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> because I know very little. Uh, how the Gods... Okay, okay, everybody, real quick. Think about Danzig. Yeah. You picture something from the How the Gods Kill era. That's how... Do I? Well, well... Not you. Because you know what I imagine. Yeah, well, I, it's it's such a, a rich vein. Yeah. It's a very prolific period for the band. It's, it is uh, what what I think is in mass mm-hmm. considered like the quintessential Danzig album. I mean, from what I've heard so far, I would I would agree. 
Mm-hmm. And I've heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, dancing. I've heard a, mm-hmm. dancing. I love this album. One. Boner. It was like it's it's way less electronic than what comes later, and it's yeah. I'm gonna say this right now. It's way less gothic. <laughs> it's way less avant-garde. <laughs> There's not a... Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, the electronic thing does happen yeah. later in Danzig, but it only happens realistically, really in an overt way with one album. I mean, that's fine. Black, I just like It sounds like Nine Inch Nails. Black Ass is a devil. Yeah. It's all one... It's all real one good. That's a real good title for an album. Well, it's all one word, um, and it's Black Ass a Devil. But because, black eyes devil. But, but because, yeah, <laughs> black eyes devil. That's that's how you're supposed to say it because it's all there's no spaces. But the the D in acid, yeah, is the D in devil. Oh, mm, yeah. And so, so black eyes devil. I've, uh, <laughs> black eyes devil. I've always toyed with the notion that it could be black acid evil. Oh. Mm, mm. Mm. Wordplay. Black acid. Black. Bl- Blacacid devil. <laughs> I'm trying to get it all as one word. Blacacid devil. Blacacid devil. <laughs> Say it real fast. It's just blacacid devil. <laughs> anyway, go listen to that album. Yeah. I think we're going to do that album for next year's okay. Danzig Abrasion. We should. Because so I can just sit and be unhappy for, <laughs> for several days leading up you to just the episode. Don't, you don't like the I industrial stuff. I don't like stuff. the 90s stuff. I don't like industrial sounding stuff. Yeah. The farthest I get into industrial is like... Mashuga. No, not well, yeah, but even more so like... <laughs> like no, because it doesn't have that electronic <laughs> shit. It's it's like like early uh, Strapping Young Lad is like as far as the industrial shit I get. It's just window dressing in Strapping Young Lad. Yeah, the, no, for sure. The, it, exactly. The, there's an album after that called Danzig, Danzig 6 colon 66 Satan's Child. Yeah. That's what it's called. Six dollars and sixty six cents. Satan's child. Yeah, or, or it's six sixty six p.m. You know? <laughs> but doesn't that just make it seven oh five? Or or it's seven oh six. Seven oh six. Subtract. Seven. This is the Satan's hour. Seven oh six specifically. <laughs> right. Anyway. Anyway. Happens twice a day. We'll talk. Those are for another time. Yeah. 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 Uh, How the gods kill released July fourteenth, nineteen ninety two. Something immediately struck me about that it Mm. was recorded three months before it came out that's so fast well that's so fast i mean the album previous to that lucifuge had done pretty well it's just holy shit that's fast yeah it did like for post-production for marketing for advertisement for production that's so fast it is pretty quick but keep in mind this is ri- it's on rick rubin's deaf american label even still like rick was rubin, it deaf jam at that time or no it was just deaf Ameri- america american deaf america deaf american deaf jam became, american it, no it's just deaf, deaf i wrote it down deaf it's just jam. deaf deaf jam vendetta it's a game it's terrible you deaf, should play it jam american deaf jam vendetta deaf jam fight for new york I don't care. Those are games. <laughs> I don't care. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Rick Rubin had he had that fucking label dialed in. Oh, absolutely. Now I but, think okay, it's like 
that means mixing and mastering had to be done in like three weeks because they had to produce the CD. I mean, it's. I mean, it did. It, I mean, it did pretty well. Yeah, it I was mean, it's twenty four on the charts. It's the I think. commercial. Well, because there's there's an EP. There's an EP after How the Gods Kill called mm-hmm. Thrall. Yeah, um, that's a good name, and that's too. that's where the live mo- live version of Mother comes from. Yeah, the one that everybody what everyone freaked hears. out about, yeah. which was funny because it's got the song got popular six years after its original appearance. Yeah, on, this is weird. Anyway, so the album after that, I think, is probably the commercial or the EP after How the Gods Kill is probably the commercial peak for the band. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's and that's a that's a fact. That's not a you think that is. Yeah, the commercial I should have I should have looked up like first week units sold, but. I didn't. I didn't look up units, but it it was it is their highest charting album, and I believe it said it got to twenty four. Mm. That's good considering what That's was going on. That's pretty fucking high, yeah, yeah, around that time. So that would have been nineteen ninety two. Almost said eighty two. Janet Jackson, yeah. Um, Janet Jackson, yeah. If you're nasty. <laughs> Um, <laughs> was that rhythm? Na- that'd be rhythm nation. No, I have no fucking no, idea. No, that's around like any time, any place when she got real nasty. Yeah, yeah. You know, she was in yeah. Poetic Justice with Tupac. 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 Like with a K. Tupac. <laughs> like Tupac's the, please. The Tupac. Um, ninety-two. What was going on in ninety-two? Like rock wise. Uh, grunt, well, grunge. Uh, so and Nirvana, the Metallica, yeah. the Black Album. Oh is. shit! I always forget. For some reason, I always think that was way before the '90s. I always think that's an '80s thing. No, for some they're reason. they were one of the band. They were one of like the I guess like quintessential '80s metal bands. Yeah, yeah. that was able to make it work. I mean, yeah, until the '90s. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. it didn't. And Danzig and Metallica played a lot of shows. Was Godsmack already around? No, Pantera was probably around. Pantera was happening. Pantera was probably a big one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if my Pantera knowledge isn't. I don't. Care I don't. For I don't. So. I don't have it dialed in, but I, I think that's around the time of probably far beyond driven. Okay. And vulgar display. So I was gonna say probably vulgar display. What I was gonna say, yeah. but is vulgar display. First? I have no, I literally yeah. am just shooting in the dark. Yeah. Here. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's in that era. It's that's in, still twenty four. That that's nothing to fucking scoff at. Yeah. Like holy shit. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Especially given the subject matter. Anti organized religion, yeah, because there's a lot of anti anti church stuff. And, we, and we've talked about this before on the Musical Light Blood podcast. I think um, uh, John Carter filled in for you, and we had done on one a, episode. We yeah. did we did a ghost episode discussing them and how the fact that stuff. ghost is absolutely as massive as it is. Yeah, singing about the shit that it does. Speaking of, did you see the the ghost news and video? I did. Okay. I just thought it was neat the way mm. they did it. Yeah. I hope it sticks. They're clever. It's they're it's. Ugh. I don't like their music all that much, but right. holy shit, what they do is so cool. Well, it's not really I, a they. He yeah. <laughs> I hope they. I hope fuck the crazy old pope guy they shuffled out <laughs> becomes the. I hope he's becomes the and he just man. fucking stands there and like he's hooked up to IVs and shit I want it I don't like I don't like discuss I don't like discussing the intricacies of of ghosts of ghosts because I'm a kiss fan and it's very similar and I didn't I didn't get the I didn't get the privilege of of not knowing who the fuck kiss was yeah. and the mystique around that so 
as it relates to the show, you're kind of salty about it. I, I don't. Well, I don't like to. I don't like to talk real openly about it. If you yeah. go to our Facebook, you can see all pop stuff. Yeah, and yeah. On, You know, talk <laughs> about other members, other bands, and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I know who all those guys are. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to talk about it in depth because I feel like there's probably people out there that don't know. Oh, I and, don't know. And they're yeah. legitimately like they've had three different guys sing for them. It happened. Oh no, Dave no. Grohl. It's Dave Grohl. You know what I mean. I, <laughs> so, <laughs> I wish it was Dave Grohl doing anything, but it's probably. I mean, not. he helped him record some shit. And yeah. He played drums on a song, but all right. Anyway, okay. Danzig. Danzig. Uh, all right. So 1992. Um, uh, the cover. It's fucking Giger. It is Meister und Margarita. Yeah, the uh, that's the title of it. It's Master the, and the Margarita. Yeah, yeah, Master and the foofy alcoholic drinks. It's delicious. Right. So Interesting thing that uh, uh, Geiger Geiger. That painting was from '76. Yeah, they bought it and Somewhere used it in mid '70s. Yeah, well, Geiger actually altered the painting. Yeah, because it had a big fucking hard dick on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they covered it up with the Danzig dagger. And they say that, but I don't see it in the album art anywhere. I see a snake. The dagger? I don't see the dagger in the album art. Yeah, you got to open up the art. Oh, okay. Because I'm like looking at the album cover, like right here. I got it pulled up, and I'm like, I don't see any dagger or erect yeah in penis. the in the in the CD in the jewel gatefold. case. Yeah, okay. it's a. Okay. Uh, it's a CD gatefold. Be funny. It's, just, it's, a, it's, an album, it's a vinyl term. Anyway, um, no, I know. I didn't. I thought it. I assumed it came out on vinyl. I assume you have this on vinyl. I don't. Oh no. The only my. Well, then yeah, the jewel case. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the jewel, the gatefold, the insert. Of the jewel case, right? Yeah. The uh, it's a six panel. Gotcha. Six so panel one. So it's yeah. a bigger picture. Um, and it's pretty neat. Um, I always, you know, Geiger's. He's had bands uses art absolutely yeah um he's done electric light orchestra mm-hmm. i think or maybe it's no it's emerson lake and palmer <laughs> be funny really be funny if geiger did an elo a real fucked up cover it's like, oh, that seems the, odd. the dead baby's landscape is pretty interesting that'd be neat on an elo <laughs> cover anyway all right so deaf american yeah. Obviously. Um, if you don't know who Rick Rubin is, Rick Rubin co-produced it with Glenn Danzig. Rick Rubin has a nasty habit of not showing up. <laughs> Rick Rubin. <laughs> when he's when he's the producer. However. Has a legacy of good things, though. <laughs> good things and bad stories, I yes, think, as it relates yes, to Rick yeah. Rubin. But this is definitely one of the albums, the first three Danzig albums, Rick showed up for. He clocked in and yeah. you know he really put in his time for the project and he's the the sound of Danzig on the first three albums Glenn Danzig's obviously a very pro, pro, prolific pro, prolific prolific songwriter there you go. but um the sound the sound of I think those first three Danzig albums are truly a group mm-hmm. sound because a lot of it has to do with John Christ's guitar you know where he has a little bit of that sort of uh twainy uh, almost a rockabilly sort of yeah, sound yeah. occasionally and that little slight slap back delay and the reverb, you know, that sort of stuff. And then Chuck Biscuits is a fucking caveman when it comes to, <laughs> comes to drumming. And then Erie Vaughn playing bass and then Rick Rubin sort of tweaking things, you know, all around. So the first Danzig albums, I think Rick Rubin is definitely 
a fifth member in that regard. How many did he do? The first three? He did the first, first four. He did the first four, but okay. um, it's pretty it's pretty well known that he just didn't show up for the fourth one. Gotcha. And he I just got a credit and wasn't there all that much. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you can find a lot of mentions. Uh, Glenn mentions Rick Rubin quite a bit yeah. um, because there was a lot of legal issues. Yeah, they said of, they he was they sued him for the royalties for songs that didn't come out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, too, uh, Rick owned the catalog for the longest time. So Ooh. I don't know if Glenn now owns his masters. Yeah. But I have a hard time believing that Rick would part with them. Because but at the same it, because time, it's, why? It's not like he's it's a not... money. It's a moneymaker. So if something gets released, be it to iTunes yeah. or they go to Spotify or anything like Ruben's that, Rick, Rick will still get a cut egg. of money yeah. from it. Um, so he's he's savvy in that sense, but. I hate to say it, Rick Rubin's one of those guys where he does kind of have the magic touch when he does put in the he effort. He really does. But kind of a cock dicker. He looks homeless. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I So, and then just all the shit he went through with the label, changing it to Def Jam. Yeah. Def American. And then, and then just, just American. American. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, he released Johnny Cash's last little albums, whatever yeah. it was. and. He's got the Slayer catalog, or the the majority of the. He has the Slayer catalog. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I think everything up through God hates us all. Okay, I think it's just weird to me because I always associated Rick Rubin with a lot of like hip hop acts. Yeah, Run DMC. Yeah, and like he does stuff for Eminem now when he's not with Dre, and like all these big names in hip hop. We did Death Magnetic by Metallica. Huh. Yeah. It's just it's. it's just weird. Slipknot, Subliminal Verses, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic. Oh, he's had his hands in a lot, and he's a he's a versatile producer. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he's real good when he shows up. Yeah, but he has a bad like the Slipknot record. Those guys are like he wasn't there. Hmm. Like we did that whole fucking album pretty much on our own. Just used his space. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Well, they did it in the Houdini house. Oh, that's right. In yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chili Peppers did Blood Sugar Sex Magic there. Fucking Manson did Hollywood there, mm-hmm. I think. Don't quote me on that, but I think it's... Anyway. That's neat. A uh, lot of interesting stuff around this album, too. Um, Willie Dixon, um, if you guys don't know who Willie Dixon is, he's blues. very... He's a blues... Old blues guy. He's an old blues guy. But you need to understand Willie Dixon's influence into modern yeah. pop rock music that guy is an extremely prolific songwriter i just want to make love to you yeah i don't need i just want to make love to you yeah that song mm-hmm. willie dixon wrote that song hmm. yeah he's he's absolutely incredible the little red rooster i can't quit you baby the guy's very very prolific his influence uh and and I'll say I'll say this I'll say this though he's not nearly as commercially known his influence is just as important as Elvis's. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. and Glenn had wanted to do um, um, a duet with Willie Dixon on. Uh, I has to be Heart of the Devil. Heart of the Devil. Yeah. Yep. 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 But uh, Willie died, um, and at that point, you know, he was diabetic and he had lost a leg. Oh gosh! Um, within like probably, I think somewhere around like five, ten years prior, prior. to his death. Yeah. Um, so he was in bad shape, but you can find old interviews of Glenn talking about meeting him and how just cool it was because Glenn's a big Willie Dixon fan. <clears throat> yeah. I thought it was worth mentioning just because he's 
you know, we don't talk about the blues enough uh, at all. Sometimes, in fact. so yeah, I think that a lot of that's Willie Dixon kind of set the tone for a lot of not not only not only you know there's a lot of stuff that comes out of the the Mississippi Delta as far as blues go. You talk about Robert Johnson. You know, the that Robert Johnson yeah. is going to be the one that you always talk about. But I do think Willie Dixon, he definitely influenced Chicago blues. And I definitely think he he influenced Texas blues, though. When you talk about Texas blues, it's a lot different than Chicago. Just you like, see, Chicago blues is what I associate the most because we live in Indianapolis. It's right there. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I always kind of think you get that, it here. <laughs> yeah. I always kind of think that Chicago blues and Texas blues are kind of showy. Yeah, compared yeah. to the Delta stuff, but Chicago blues to me, I don't know how other way to say this other than it feels more black. No, for sure. Yeah, you know, no, you I know agree. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. As it relates to the genesis of the the, the of, music, yes, yeah. of the music. I I would compare. You know, the Rolling Stones pulled a lot of influences mm-hmm. from Mississippi. You know, the, you know, guys like Robert Johnson, fucking, and they'll go north to like guys like Muddy Waters. You know that that sort of thing. But Texas gets overlooked, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because you got guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know, Stevie's <sighs> so good. Yeah, he is, and he's definitely to me the quintessential Texas blues man. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, don't overlook Chicago stuff. So yeah, there's a lot of good. There's, I mean, Bo Diddley, Buddy Guy, all those guys. But anyway, I just wanted to mention Willie Dixon because yeah, yeah. I think it's important. What you what do you like this album? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. As a, we were discussing earlier, as of all the, every October, it's here's all the Stanzig, listen to it. <laughs> it's when we can do an episode. <laughs> right. Right. This is the, not, I don't want to say it's the best thing I've heard by Danzig, but it's my, my, it's my preference now. This okay. is if, I, if I had right. to pick one, it'd be this one. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you've last year we talked about Earth AD mm-hmm. by the Misfits, and it's right? way more punk. It's just punk. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah this it's, is it's gnarly. night and day. Gnarly. Yeah. I think as you get the, there's an interesting thing that happens in the Danzig catalog, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The first three albums, definitely, and a little bit of the fourth album. That's to me the the sound that you get from very clearly from four or five people mm-hmm. contributing. Yeah. That's what you get. Now, after that, it becomes more of just Glenn as an individual. Yeah. That's the sound that you get. That's what, it varies greatly. Yeah, that that's yeah. that's what you get from Glenn just sort of unfiltered without running it through like a guitar player like John Christ, yeah. that sort of thing. And I think Glenn is much more comfortable, heavier. Mm-hmm. As as opposed to, see, I think writing wise, he seems to be more com- more comfortable, heavier. But I think vocally, his vocals shine way more on like the ballady, Elvisy kind of stuff. Sure, like way his vocals pop way more on that kind of. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, his vibrato is amazing. He sounds like Elvis. Yeah, he does. And Jim Morrison and Johnny Cash, Roy Orbison and- too. Yeah, I guess so. He's got a yeah. he's got a little like not necessarily timbre wise. Yeah. Roy Orbison's voice wasn't nearly as deep as what Glenn's no, was. No, no. But like his how he how he moves mm-hmm. notes and he'll jump around and things. The, the, like that. It's it's I can totally see him not Roy Orbison, but Jim Moore. I can see him covering like the Doors, light my fire, and it'd yeah. be great. <laughs> it'd be fantastic. Yeah, I always thought he would uh, backdoor man. Would be oh yeah. Would be a cool song. I also think if they like ever release a big 
well, at least I guess another big Elvis movie, just like fucking Glenn record all the music. <laughs> right. He sounds yeah. just like him. Yeah. 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 Blood and Tears and Sistinas, especially yeah. Yeah. those are the two big ballads, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like the Danzig catalog goes. And last time I saw him, he played, he played Sistinas. Yeah. It sounded really good. I bet. It was interesting to not have all of the window dressing yeah from the production and his voice has changed significantly through the years as well yeah you can tell he's yeah. getting older his uh he's kind of like um you know remember that i feel like you and i were talking about alice cooper at one point mm-hmm. that alice cooper early on like in the the early mid 70s is like oh that guy's creepy yeah yeah but alice cooper now like is fucking yeah guy uh you know what I mean? Really? Yeah. The I way, think he's just, super chill. Just no, just the way he looks. Oh, on, oh, on yeah. Stage because, yeah, because he's old now. <laughs> because he's old and grizzled looking. You're like that guy kills children. <laughs> that dude is not a. Don't hang out with that guy. And Danzig voice has done that. Yeah, yeah. Where it's it's went from that sort of Roy Orbison, Morris, and Elvis kind sort of, of doo-woppy, thing bluesy into yeah. like that. It that is still there. Yeah, but like it sounds <clears throat> grizzled. You yeah. know what I mean? And like. Ugh. You know, like a mountain man if he yeah. were if he were Elvis. Well, he is that basically. He's fucking huge. <laughs> he, I mean, I bet he's short, but he's stocky as fuck. <laughs> oh, he's only he's only five four. Yeah, so he's short. He yeah. looks like he'd be short, but he's beefy. Yeah, super beefy. He was really into uh, Jeet Kundo. Jeet Kundo. Yeah, yeah. He trained with uh, the guy that I don't know the Jeet Kundo guy. <laughs> I thought Jeet Kundo was <laughs> it's some. Sort I thought of... that was Bruce Lee's. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you train with Bruce. I don't know. I really doubt that. Yeah, it, didn't, no, no, it, didn't, it didn't happen. But it like, anyway, he's, I don't know. He's a fascinating guy to me. And, you know, you and I mentioned it before we, you know, before we started the, the there's a lot of religious commentary. Oh, this like is incredibly like against organized religion. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted, because you kind of, you sort of bristle at that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being raised in a, in a semi-religious home, it gets, it, it it doesn't like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it puts me on edge. Just like, why? I don't know. It just does. I don't like, like last night we were, we were, he, you sent me, Hey, read this before tomorrow. And it was that passage from the book of revelations, Mm. which anything to do with revelations immediately makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. It's unreliable. It scares me. I don't want to read it. I don't like it. And so it's reading this stuff. That's very, uh, I was raised in a Quaker home. Right. So religiously, it's very quiet. It's very chill. Fucking Germans. It's just, it's just sit sit and listen. Shut the fuck up. Just listen. Listen. German Quakers. Yeah. And then like this passage you read me is like, before I I got two lines into it and went, this is Catholic. (laughs) Like I didn't even (laughs) get any farther than that. I was like, oh, they're talking about goats with seven horns and seven eyes. And it's, it's been slaughtered, but it's (laughs) up and moving around. And it's like. Uh, this makes me uncomfortable. This is uh, it's a spooky, scary. I don't like it. <laughs> I like it. It's funny that you know. Oh, this is Catholic. Why? I, because it's fucking scary. Because <laughs> I feel guilty. <laughs> because no, it's Catholic because it's scary. <laughs> it's the idea of like if Striper converted. You know what I mean. <laughs> it be, it oh goes, God! It, go, it goes from it goes from like you know. Because they had like they, we talked about this before. They got I, the Book of Isaiah shit, yeah, 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 all over their stuff, and 
you know, it's very like, you know, God is uplifting. Yeah, yeah. You know, Christ Because Christ if you want to bring someone to your cause, you don't send them this. Right, right. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because if, if Striper was Catholic, it would go, you know, the regular version is to hell with the devil. Yeah. But if they went Catholic, it would be to hell with the devil because you're a bad person. <laughs> to hell with the devil and it's <laughs> your fault. <laughs> Hell with the devil, and you might go with him. The devil's here because you are a bad person. Ah! Right? Yeah, I'm holding up my tablet with pictures that I found. That is fucking scary. <laughs> it's goat. This is three inches of blood art. Seven horns. This is horns. album art from three inches of blood. Right. Well, we should talk about that reference. Um, it's scary. So there's a song called Left Hand Black. Yeah. 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 Good song. Yeah. And I mentioned it to you that I think that song is singu- About him singularly most. the most telling of him as an individual. And here's why. Okay. And I quote, kind of like a dog with seven pupils in its eye, kind of like a madness that refuses to subside, kind of like everything you want just within your grasp, kind of how a banshee whale dance is on a living heart i'm gonna stand sorry (laughs) i'm gonna stand at the top of the world and challenge the heavens gonna bring you god in the palm of the left hand black gonna bring you god Mm -hmm. i think this is a recurring theme across all of dan ziggory dan ziggory that's a good one (laughs) quote that dan ziggory right it's an o-r-y yeah yeah you know uh it's a recurring theme that i think he's uh i think he's his his sort of thing is, I feel like Glenn does believe in God, mm-hmm. but I but I think he the way that he believes in God it has more to do with the self, yeah, as opposed to kind of the church's version of it. I think he puts a lot of emphasis on equalizing man and God. Mm-hmm. You know, God's up here, man's down here. He wants to get them more level with each other. Yeah. And he sees them more level with each other. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, you know, I'm going to stand on top of the world and challenge the heavens. I mean, that's it right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you use a word like heavens, you're you're referring to that's the kingdom of God. You know what I mean? You're, I don't believe, you know, well, there's what, also... what you're trying to shove down my throat sort of thing. And I think it's it's fascinating. There's a, there's a, a little... Um, a little uh, quote in the inside of the Danzig 7 album, E. Luciferi. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, so don't, if I get this wrong, but they don't believe in, in a God, uh, but they, I want to get it right. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> we'll look it up. I wanna, I'm going to look it up because I, I don't want to mess this one up. He talks about Lilith a lot too. Yeah. He talks about a lot of like deep lore of like, uh, demons and hell and a lot of that stuff that's like biblically there, but you gotta dig. All right, make keep him busy. Oh, oh, okay. Um, hey, 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 guys. How's uh Dustin left and I'm here trying to keep you busy. He does this to me a lot. A lot of times it gets edited out. Because I'm not good at it. <laughs> no, if you noticed. So how how are how how are you? You look nice today. How are you? Is that a new shirt? 
I feel like that's a new shirt or maybe a new haircut. <laughs> talking to imaginary. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking to the audience directly. Right, right. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm back. All right. No one panic. Jake doesn't run the show. <laughs> I don't. Thank God. <laughs> All right, here it is. Uh, they worship neither a god nor even a demon, but a dead man. Hmm. Is that lyric laid on top of a half-naked lady? Yep. Good. <laughs> That's a quote from Celsus, by the way, so I wanted to make sure that I got it right. But anyway, you can see the sentiment of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, to me, is a theme that's always reoccurring in the Dan in all of Dan Ziggory. <laughs> all of it. You know, just the idea of uh, religious, um, religious, I guess, symbols or... Or I could tell archetypal players in religious history and stuff like that, that you can find, I think his sort of MO has been that you can find more in common with them on a, on a human level than you can with them with not without them at a, at a a godlike level. So this is cringy in here. What? The the art and pictures on the inside of this. This is the first one I've seen that doesn't have what's that guy's name who does all the art for Danzig? Is it Biz? Biz? Simon Bisley. Yeah, this is like uh, this looks like independent rapper album covers. It's I mean it was like a, it's rough. It's it's a transitionary time. For yeah. the for for it's him really as awkward. for him as an artist, I this is my favorite album. It's just the insides a bunch of really cringy, awkward pictures of them right. of like this. This is what you would see for your local like the picture just picture wise like your local two thousands goth band in like the hometown garage. Mm-hmm. That's what their pictures look like. <laughs> I just I I mean I think it's uh. You know, it was a transitionary time. For sure, yeah. Two thousands were the early two thousands were weird for heavy music. A anyway. lot of bands, yeah. yeah. The new metal movement had really yeah. sort of uh, new metal Ugh. taken over. I saw him on this tour. Yeah, real good. I bet. Yeah, my brother punched a guy. You have a lot of stories that start with you punched a guy or your brother punched a guy. <laughs> my brother don't take no shit. <laughs> no shit. No fucks given. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that, and specifically yeah, yeah. too the the first line of that song, uh, "Left Hand Black," kind of like a dog with seven pupils in its eye. I did a lot of digging, you know, as yeah. it relates to seven eyes. Yeah, and scary goats. <laughs> well, it's like the seven eyes of the seven eyes of God. Yeah, I mean, I I, know? I get it. The, again, that's a very Catholic thing. I've that has to be. I have never heard that at all of my years of going. Well, to it's the way that's it's supposed to be the the different ways that I guess God sees the world and I mean, or God yeah, affects yeah. the world. You know that sort of thing. Talk about the the golden lamp and the fucking stone with seven eyes and all kinds of stuff. But I thought it was interesting because again, here when it comes to dogs in liter in like literary terms, dogs generally represent love devotion yeah that sort of thing especially when you see them like in paintings yeah from yeah. A, you know renaissance era you know all old 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 art when you see dogs that generally means good stuff yeah 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 and i think in this instance he was using a dog as a means of trying to depicting it as kind of a lowly animal dirty 
yeah. a scavenger. And when you assign an animal like that some sort of religious icon iconography, yeah. you know what I mean? Kind of comes with, with it. With yeah. the seven eyes, that means you're, <clears throat> in a way, you're... I don't necessarily want to call it blasphemy, but you're you're, you're challenging of, the idea. Yeah, you're challenging yeah. the idea of grace. Yeah. So and I thought and like I said, it's just a reoccurring theme and I think it's fascinating when he writes about stuff like that. Yeah. So, anyway. We could get into the a whole discussion about uh, religious connotation and aggressive music. So Well, there's a lot, there's especially a ton. especially in the 90s, there around that time it was a big sort of part of the part of the the liberal 90s when you, like when you look at the 60s the 60s was about expanding your mind expanding yeah. your consciousness and understanding the world at large in a more in-depth way mm-hmm. i think that's what the sentiment of the 60s was and the 90s the the 90s was about sort of demystifying there was a bit of God. a religious movement. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, there was yeah. there was a move away. That's where we had the you know? the church burnings and everything yeah. in Norway. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially how it relates to heavy music. You know, a yeah. lot of the commentary that Marilyn Manson was doing in the nineties. Mm-hmm. You know, cake and sodomy off of Portrait of an American Family. The the idea that a that a rock star is uh, the notion that John John Lennon had said in the 60s that we're bigger than Jesus. He wasn't saying that we're more important than Jesus, but that it was it was unreal. Yeah, yeah, That there's yeah. more people talking about us than Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of carried over to the 90s in my opinion. It's like a it's like the hippie movement part 2, but less of an emphasis on the industrial military complex, mm-hmm. but more just wholly focused at the church. Yeah, yeah. You know just Bam, the Vatican. <clears throat> fuck that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And and realistically, in the nineties, when you because we're talking about Pope John Paul, yeah, we yeah. see fucking Pope John Paul in the Pope mobile. You know, dri- driving through it Vatican was real City. showy. It that, was that, yeah. That's like it's it's way too big of a deal. You're yeah, putting, you're putting, chill, chill. You're chill, yeah, dude. Like. Yeah, and the you know the as far as topics like abortion being talked about constantly, the the gay community starting to come out in mass. You know that that sort of thing. I think that was sort of the '90s that we're moving away from this this leftover well every generation has a movement it's just, well they do yeah, yeah yeah absolutely but i think a lot of it had to do with the the moving away from and getting out of out from underneath the thumb of evangelism yeah i think that's what it had a lot to do with and glenn has a lot of poignant commentary mm-hmm. especially for that decade you know so there's i mean there's a lot to talk about in that because i mean he fucking writes about religion a lot yep you know demonology Christ, you know, it's all over. It's all over everything he's oh, done. Yeah. He's very, very critical. Even just in his stuff. artwork and stuff is always very yeah. It's pushing evangelical put, yeah, and demonic. And, yeah, it's yeah. well, it's pushing. It's pushing the notion of blasphemy. Yeah. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, and 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 I think one hand, you know, there there's a there's an element to it that it is about get you know like. <gasps> shock shock rock the shot the shock of it that sort of thing but there is i think there's legitimate substance about behind yeah most of the commentary that he's doing i think it's like i said it's poignant especially for the decade that it comes from yeah the shock of of anti-religion stuff in aggressive music i always kind of just like 
chuckle at because it's it's such mm. like Danzig has something to say, obviously, but a lot of times it's just like it's just the shock, and it's like, ugh, like mm. stop, yeah, like get, yeah. bands bands throwing like pigs' heads into the audience and blood, and it's like <laughs> mayhem. It's like yeah. stop, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's a, well, I think one of the best things about him <clears throat> about him especially as a lyricist is that you can say you can say pro, profoundly complex things without mm-hmm. being profoundly complex oh yeah absolutely yeah D- him as a lyricist he's able to he's able to write lyrics that for the most part most people can understand yeah and he can create a an an image an imagery in your head that a lot of people have a point of reference with yeah that you can immediately go that's what that means got it yeah yeah got it and he doesn't i i'm just happy he's he's never been one to use he doesn't it doesn't feel like he intentionally writes stuff to go over your head yeah once in a while like afi davy yeah once in a while he just like ugh, seriously yeah. You know what I mean? You just you just shoehorn that word in there yeah. to just kind of flex your your literary muscles. It's it's weird um, that like he's Denzig's had all this <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> all this anti honestly, I don't want to say anti-religious. I don't feel like it's anti-religious. I feel like it's almost like an alt movement of religion. I think almost. it's anti-church. Anti-organized church. Yeah. yeah. And like no real like um uh, controversy nobody from the church like publicly attacking danzig and there have been bands that Mm, have i get what you're saying there have been bands who have been publicly attacked for way less yeah good. and it's like how is this like how like is 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 he so poignant that like even people in church are like i can't argue with that I'd, i'd have to i'd have to do some digging but i would guarantee given the decade that Somebody said something. Somebody. But somebody I mean, showed up, picketed a show, that sort of thing. I mean, he took Marilyn Manson out on tour. Marilyn Manson opened for them on the Smells Like Children tour. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it would have been like, that's probably Danzig 4 or Danzig 5. Somewhere 90, in that. Some, Mid-90s. Yeah, somewhere like 94, mm-hmm. 95, 96, somewhere in that area. Yeah. And... Yeah, I I'd bet money. I would bet money mm-hmm. that there were probably some, somebody said something. Some somebody yeah. showed up at a show with some signs and was like, "Fuck you, you're the devil." But you blah, still blah, 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 there blah, blah, blah. are still people to this day talking like anti-religious about Iron Maiden. Right. Still to this day, well, and Black I, Sabbath. I think and it's a, like I think a lot. He's of, not or those his name is not mentioned in the same breath as those a lot of times. Well, I don't. I think it's part of it is because it's. Like Manson, 1996. I saw them on the Antichrist Superstar Tour, mm-hmm. Pepsi Coliseum. Mm-hmm. In, it was, I think it was February 14th. It was like the, I think it was the day after Valentine's Day, 19, Valentine's Day, 1996 at Pepsi Coliseum. And he fucking pulled out a Bible and he ripped the pages yeah, out yeah, of it yeah. and threw it in the audience and that sort of thing. And there were, there were people picketing the show there. Oh, yeah, night. for sure. I don't think he's done things in such an overt way way it's not such a he's not, he's not doing it just to fuck you he's doing it yes just because he it's what he thinks yes yeah yeah i think it's you don't have to 
You know, the people that get a lot of attention are the ones that scream the loudest or cause the biggest ruckus. Yeah. Manson's a great example of that. Yeah. He's a really good example. And it's like Manson doesn't even necessarily believe the things that he does. It's just he knows it's for shock versus like. I think most of Manson's, most of his problems is it's all with one, it's organized religion. Two, Mm -hmm. it's the idea of. I think it's the idea that you have to you have to follow God to be able to be in a good place in life. But I'm just saying, like, it's it's I think that's it's, kind of where he's coming. He doesn't. From. He's not like out fucking preaching at the fucking Church of Satan and like handing out brochures, right? And doing actual things that would actually right. cause a problem in the right. eyes of the Christian Church. Right. Versus motherfuckers in Norway burning down churches who honestly believe this and literally killing each other and right. sacrificing animals. And that got some play in the '90s, and we've not heard about it since. And it's like, I mean, it comes up. Those motherfuckers are, they're doing the thing. And like, we're just going to throw stones at these dudes who are here just doing it for like obvious shock value. Well, like I said, like I said, sometimes you don't, I'm, I'm of the opinion that you don't have to, you don't have to be putting on this massive show and drawing all this attention to you Mm -hmm. to be able to get. It's just my, you know what I mean? I I think he pushes. I I'm okay. Okay, here's the cre- Here's the bottom. Yeah. Bottom line is this: I think I think Glenn, as a writer, pushes a much more articulate and, exactly. And su- yeah, sub. Uh, it has substance. Yeah, he pushes a he pushes an argument that has substance, and he's much more articulate than what Marilyn Manson will ever yep. be. Agreed. Or, or ever was. No, I agree. Yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's much more subtle and well thought out and it has nothing to yeah. do has nothing has nothing to do with the show yeah it's just what he thinks yeah yeah so, and just it, it's it's it handles it way more like an adult he handles it better it's <laughs> good yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah i would agree with that yeah yeah i would yeah agreed hmm hmm yes let's, mm. let's take a break Hey, what's up, motherfucker? This is Dustin from Music the Lifeblood. Are you on Instagram? Do you like that shit? Well, guess what? So is Music the Lifeblood. Just search Music the Lifeblood. You can check out pictures of my record collection, and you're going to get random pictures of Haggis the Wonder Mutt, the official Music the Lifeblood dog. All right, Instagram. Fuck yeah. Music the Lifeblood. Woo! Big Jake. Ah, yeah, hey. Sorry, I wasn't quite as ready as I thought. <laughs> did you have a favorite song? I did, and contrary to yours, I uh, I liked Heart of the Devil. Yeah, it was Heart of the Devil. Yeah, it's wasn't. real fucking bluesy and yeah. swingy, and I liked it. Uh, hey. And Godless had a really good riff in it as well, the opening Heart riff in Godless. Of the devil. He really likes to have really smooth, bluesy intros into <laughs> Into heavy parts. <laughs> he really, he really does the back and forth thing. He does. He really like. He really likes the the Dyn- the, co- the cold open it's dynamics. Yeah, dynamics. Yeah, that was the song that was going to be with Willie Dixon. Yeah, yeah, that was the plan. You know, I don't know if I. Had, I really like bodies. That's the song that I always go back to. Are we letting find, them hit the floor? I find. <laughs> 
Hey. <laughs> Anytime I can make you floor. make let that the noise, floor. that was that mission accomplished. Anytime I can make you go that uh, like mid sentence, just drop off, just deflating, <laughs> just sandbag the shit out of you. Yeah, I like bodies. There is this is a bass heavy album. This is a very bass heavy album. Yeah, a lot of the songs have like bass bridges. Yeah, a lot of them like the, the he's whoever who was the bass player on this? Erie Vaughn. Erie Vaughn. Who who I've who I've interviewed. Indeed, mm, we've indeed mm. he is never very rarely just playing whatever the guitar is playing. He's he's always kind of he's a very good a, bass player in terms that he's not playing it like a guitar. He's well, very, it's very much root note. But like, still, like root. he's walking around and doing stuff. It's not just whatever the guitar's playing. Yeah. Yeah. It's very rarely just I mean he does no he, I mean he does that a lot. Really? You know, I where, always sounded like there was something going on in the bass. Or maybe it's a keyboard thing I'm mistaking for there, bass. Well, there's a lot of piano. Yeah, I knew that. But there's like, a lot of piano here and there. There's a little bit of strains here and there, but I mean, Erie's not a busy player. And I liked it. I thought he was he was he was doing he was going around and doing some things the guitar wasn't doing. A lot of times, that's my... Well, like on bodies. Yeah. My biggest beef with a lot of bass players, and particularly in metal, is that they play it like a guitar. They just play whatever the guitar is playing. Yeah. And I like like some deviation from that. But that's also the pot calling the kettle black, because I'm not good enough as a bass player to do that. So I usually just play what the guitar plays. Iron Maiden. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's real... Like, Lamb of God is one that's real bad, like, in terms of that particular problem he's all he's just like a third guitar player it's just lower well it's i mean they're up tempo constantly yeah so yeah. it's but even like you get into weird stuff like up into like a brain drill and even some cannibal corp stuff where it's just like or there's just like chords going on it's like yeah. that's so fucking cool well i think you know eerie kind of just you know what key it's in by what eerie is doing there was a couple things i heard I, I, actually, I'm not sure it was on this album now that I mentioned it. It may have been one of the songs you showed me from the later stuff mm. where Danzig was just singing over top of the bass line. And I'm like, I'm not convinced that bass line's in the same key. There was mm. a couple things that was like, like I'm like struggling to listen to it and finding the key. I don't know maybe if it was just so down-tuned so far. that I it think was, it was Stalker song. I think so. From Danzig 4. I, I think, think that's so. what it was. And it was it just was it sounded almost out of key and i was like i can't tell if it's out of key or if it's just in a weird key or if he's down tuned so far i can barely differentiate the notes my being danzig four is mixed really interestingly yeah well i played you can't speak too mm-hmm. i played can't speak and you really did not like it is that one of the elect more electronic sounding ones not electronic it was the slower one it was can't a slower speak. one can't talk. I don't know. Again, I'm, my Danzig knowledge is is ever expanding because of this show. Right. So currently, it's not a whole lot. You got a lot to dive into. I still. do, and I I feel it kind of makes me feel bad. My hands are on my hips and everything right now. <laughs> I'm sassy. It makes me feel bad because like <laughs> sometimes people associated hear this show. With the Danzig, people associated <laughs> with the Danzig, a little bit, a li- and I'm like, God <laughs> damn it! Well, no, I think that's what's. I I think it's part of uh, what makes it interesting because it's a, it's not me preaching to the choir. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm when, learning when we have a conversation yeah. about this because sometimes you go, nope, not for me, nope, 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 
<laughs> no, I mean, I'll give anything a fair shot, but if it starts and it sounds like Nine Inch Nails, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm yeah. gonna go, nah, not I, for me. I, I like Black Acid, Evil. Black. <laughs> hang on, Black Acid, Black Acid, Black Acid Devil, Black Acid Devil. That's it. Black Acid, Black Acid Devil. I like that album a lot. I think, in my opinion, it's the closest thing to a, uh, to a next Sam Hain album that we've ever gotten fair yeah because i like the very, sam hayne stuff too you've shown me that and i like the sam Hain very stuff. percussive yes a lot of a yes. lot of loops and things like that but i don't you know the 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 four of them as musicians on the first four albums like i said earlier the first four albums are uniquely the sound of the songs coming through those four and people. rick rubin and rick rubin yeah and rick rubin and when you get later into the catalog, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I think that is more the sound of Glenn. Just yeah, Glenn just what doing, he does. Just Glenn, yeah. doing, just Glenn doing what he Whatever does. Whatever he's into at the time. Yeah. 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 And I think that's what's kind of neat about it. It's kind of similar to the Kiss catalog that, uh, yes, I'm comparing Danzig to Kiss. Um, Surprise. It's, it's happening. It's crazy. <laughs> Who could have guessed? Didn't see it coming. <laughs> Kiss is really because I also was going to make a comparison to Kiss for a second. Kiss is really interesting because they've sort of genre hopped and they've sort of uh, changed things as the wind blows, so to speak, Um, or as the the girls blow, Gene, (laughs) so to speak. And uh, it it hasn't always worked for Kiss. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Glenn as a writer is that you know. Most people, most Danzig fans are going to say that Black Acid, there's a high chance the Black Acid Devil is going to be one. I wasn't into it. Yeah. But there's also a lot of Danzig fans that are like, this is fucking. It's my favorite album. It's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. And I, Elusivera is my favorite Danzig album. Mm-hmm. That's weird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For most Danzig fans. Because that's the one that's real electronic, isn't it? That's the one that's real. No, that was Black like Acid Devil. Is it? Okay, you yeah. showed me two, and I was can't remember which one was which. Satan's okay. Child has a little bit of that window dressing. $6.66, Satan's Child? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or 706. 706, Satan's Hour, Satan's Child. 706. Satan's Child has that sort of middle period to Danzig, which I think is Black Acid Devil... Satan's Child, Elusiferi, and Circle of Snakes. Yeah. Those are sort of like, uh, what does it go? Golden, bronze? Silver. Golden, bronze, silver? No. (laughs) Golden, silver, silver, bronze. bronze. Okay, so. And sometimes platinum's above gold. Is it? Yeah, sometimes. When do you get to diamond? Uh, Never mind. I don't know. (laughs) So, so yeah, that's kind of the bronze age of Mm -hmm. Danzig. And I'm okay with the vast majority of it. I I'll I'll admit I listen to Black Acid Devil the least, mm-hmm. but I still listen to it on a pretty consistent basis. Yeah, Serpentia, great song. You know, I think what what was that? It sounded like gunshots outside your home. <laughs> this is not a bad neighborhood. That surprises it's me. Not. I mean, <laughs> we get a lot of hookers two blocks that way. Yeah. Uh. Anyway. Anyway. I think I think post Danzig four. That is uniquely the sound of Glenn. Is <laughs> I'm really reaching for this metaphor, but I want this joke, so I'm going for it. <laughs> is uh, Glenn Danzig? Hmm. 
give me a minute. Mm. I got a workshop. Give me a minute. I got. I want the right words for this. Do you want to? Do you want a diagram? Or no, anything? no. You getting... roll, roll with it. I'll get. I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> is 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 Glenn Danzig the Vinnie Vincent of Danzig? <laughs> Where he's he's going unchecked. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. No. If unchecked, he's, if unchecked, he's left to his like avant-garde post-electronic <laughs> desires and no no i don't i think he's i i, <laughs> I no, i get it so I, i'm just really reaching that's but. only that's a joke only we would make yeah you know what I mean? yeah yeah um no no <laughs> no i don't think he's like just sort of maniacal i'm gonna you know do what i do just to fuck with people i don't think mm-hmm. i think when he did put out black as the devil i think he was legitimately invested in it and interested in, yeah that was where he was at the time in yeah, exploring yeah. that aspect yes. of music that sort of thing um at, at at the end of the day i just he's a black sabbath fan yeah you know what i mean so it's yeah. going to be like a guitar driven yeah rock yeah this this particular thing. album is real like it's 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 borderlines on like hair metal once in a while and then it like jumps then it like comes mm. back into the realm of like doomy danziggy creepy stuff sure. but like that guitar tone is fucking just i got this 5150 and i got plugged an hm2 into it <laughs> and then i'm gonna <laughs> rip real hard like that. well i mean a lot of that has to do with what john christ was doing i think yeah. i do think that though obviously a lot of the the danzig stuff was running concurrent with the end of hair metal and 80s metal yeah yeah um, you're into the the, the Guns I, and Roses kind of stuff. Yeah, at that I point. I yeah. think it's I think it sort of sufficiently pulls away from that. Yeah, to where, oh, it really does. It just it just it's very like you hear it. You yeah, hear the yeah. the leftovers kind of. Well, it could be you know the sort of trappings, the production trappings of the day of Rick Rubin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But which is funny because Rick Rubin did fucking Slayer. You know what I mean? So it makes sense. I mean, even tone wise, though, on those Slayer albums, a lot of times it's like that tone is bright. It's not always like the can metal be. tone, the metal tone that we think of today. Yeah. That, yeah. It can be. I don't, th- I don't agree with that when it comes to South of, or not South of heaven, uh, seasons in the abyss seasons in the abyss to me has much less gain than what you would traditionally associate with Slayer. See, I think, I think just personally from like hanging out with a lot of tone junkies that if you're just trying to get as much gain as you can out of things like that's usually less applicable and frowned upon than trying to hunt for a tone that you like mm-hmm. don't i mean that's i have i'm not a guitar player i have shit gear for the sake of just having something to play through and i just turn my gain up and throw on my hm2 and i'm like that'll work <laughs> like that's that's the that's I mean, the easy some, way works for yeah. some people i just i don't know rick rubin is real interesting from a tone standpoint, yeah, that tone, because, the tone on this album is is good. Yeah, well, that's and why it varies. I as think well. how the gods kill too is, um, especially at that time in rock, early nineties mm-hmm. stuff. The idea of album rock had just fucking went out the window. Yeah, by yeah. that point, you don't have bands writing like these big sweeping opuses like Dark Side of the Moon or. Mm-hmm you know tommy mm-hmm. fucking quadrophenia fucking pinball know. wizard um <laughs> you don't have bands doing that because i don't think they had a sufficient enough of a grasp on it because of the way the tides had sort of turned mm-hmm. up to that point and the the de-emphasis on album rock was sufficiently so because i mean we had the cd 
You know what I mean? So the C the the CD changed the way that people yeah. started to enjoy music because it, it literally no fucking effort to skip a song. Yep, click. Yeah, you're, you're done. The reason album rock works so well is that bands were cognitive of the fact that okay, well this side is going to be 20 minutes. Yeah. So we gotta you gotta think of you gotta yeah. gotta flow and be consistent. Yeah. Real, real, yeah. Realistically, realistically. How how often did a kid in like 1976 get up, walk to the turntable, and skipped? I don't want to listen to the ocean. Probably not often. That's you, not easy to do. You know what I mean? Like when they're listening to to Houses of the Holy, it's like I want to skip the ocean. Yeah, no. Like no, you don't do that. You just put it you on. Just put it on. You yeah. Start the. You album. have to listen to it. Listen yeah. to the whole fucking side. Yeah. And the the notion of album rock, it was dead by that point. And I think <clears throat> one thing that. I do think that Glenn and the other guys in the band too, Glenn especially and Rick Rubin as well, was very aware of the idea of making a, a whole musical movement. Yeah, you know, as as a piece, as a piece of the individual songs have to be a movement within a piece kind yeah, of idea. Yeah, like, yeah, and they they flow into each other. Almost like constructing a symphony where each yes. song is a movement rather than yeah. an individual piece. Yes, yes, and I think a lot of bands at that time just weren't. <clears throat> yeah, you know what I mean. Especially that the heavier bands. I mean, like a album like Rain and Blood. Yeah, you know what's? Yeah. I think it's what's it? Twenty eight minutes. I think something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, just blah, you blink and it's gone. Yeah. But slay it, but but that even in and of itself, yeah, this r- runtime's almost an hour on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's CD. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Got all the storage. It's uh, with like with Rain and Blood. I don't think Slayer went. Let's write a really good album. No, I think Slayer went. Well, we got some fast songs. We just probably ought to write some more. Yeah, we were almost done. You guys, like, you yeah. guys good? You guys good with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> done. Cut it. <laughs> and it I, I just I just think it's out of, especially out of that decade the nineties this is one of those albums where you can go yeah they wrote an album yeah yeah they they wrote an album not a list of songs they wrote an album yeah yeah and there's I mean there were other bands doing that around then for all the sort of like fucking artistic pomp and <laughs> just bloated sort of arrogance that bands like you two have. You know, but U2 was writing albums yeah, around that time. And, you know, from a commercial standpoint, people will probably bring up R.E.M. Yeah. Obviously, Automatic Green or Automatic for the People, whatever it is. There were, there were other bands doing it, <clears throat> but I don't think enough of those bands had a good enough grip on it. Yeah. And how, this, how, this the one, God, how the Gods Kill, that's how it is. Yeah. yeah. And this seems to be like a whole package versus like a lot of times like – especially in that period of time, like you're, I don't know, like people, people a lot of times take for granted the, the quote unquote whole package of a band in an album. The like, um, this, whether you know anything about Danzig or not, if you saw that on a shelf, you go, (laughs) whoa, just by the art alone. Sure, Sure. And then like the marketing aspect of, becoming Sam Hain to Danzig mm-hmm. like that name is recognizable so they're using it so even if you don't know Danzig the band like you might know Dan- well, Danzig was in the Misfits like that album art's fucking sick as fuck I'm gonna pick it up yeah. like the recording quality's good yeah. recording quality on this is better than a lot of other bands at that time and heavy music because mm-hmm. the 
Well, it's got the a quote unquote <clears throat> garage quality was like a, a thing that was popular again. It has a, I mean, there's reverb on the drums. Yeah. There's, well, I mean, that's common. There's, yeah. there's fuzz on the bass. There's some reverb on the guitar. They're not doing handheld vocals. No, <clears throat> that sort of thing. So that stuff in and of itself, the very basic sort of foundation level, I don't want to call them tropes. Mm-hmm. because tropes implies that it's a negative thing. Yeah. But the sort of foundational must-haves mm-hmm. for for a rock album like that, they hit all those buttons. Yeah. So they've wrote, which essentially over time, because we're talking about 25 years. Yeah. This is the 25th anniversary of How the Gods yep. Still. That's how it becomes, that's how an album becomes timeless. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds a certain way. Yeah. You hit, all, why, the, hit yes. all the marks. Yeah. <clears throat> Sonic Temple by The Cult. Dark Side of the Moon by Floyd. Fucking... Uh, Dark Side of the Moon still sounds good. <clears throat> Sticky Fingers by the Stones. Mm-hmm. Or Beggar's Banquet. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do. Black Back in Black by ACDC. Mm-hmm. All of those albums, they have... There are similarities. But the, it, they're, <clears throat> all the aspects come together to make a complete product. Yeah. You're not looking yeah. at any aspect and going, well, this needs this and this needs this. Like, right. I feel like a lot of bands today, like they, they just want to write songs and cut an album and they don't worry about the rest of it. Right. And it's like, there's, you have to think about your, your, cause people, either there's two things. Some guys just want to write songs and some guys think it's, it's just, it's art. It's art. It's art. Take it for what it is. It's art. It's like, no, to be successful, you have to think of your band, your image, your album. Everything is a product totally. and you have to have everything in toto to make it work and have a legacy. <laughs> so, in Toto. In Toto. You and I have picked up each other's isms. We really absolutely we've, we've have. picked up each other's isms. Yes, we really have. <laughs> Ow. Sociopolitical. <laughs> In Toto. Absolutely. It's a duster. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> it's only the hardcores are only good. They're it's, the only ones that are going to get the job. It's funny you bring it up because yeah. I, I'm, me and Hannah right now, my girlfriend, are playing a game called red dead redemption that takes right. place in the old West. And I, there's a duster you can get, <laughs> and I put it on and she's like, you should wear that trench coat. And I just like fucking stopped. And it was like, you mean that duster? And she's like, I'm not calling it that. <laughs> I'm like, it's a duster. <laughs> nope. Not going to happen. So what's the, what's the, what's the historical, what's the, like when we think about this era of Danzig, mm-hmm. What do we think about? I don't know. I feel like it's just a... What's the impact? I feel like it set the tone for a lot of... I think it set the tone for, quote-unquote, the underground. Because this is a, quote-unquote, underground album that is somewhat commercially successful. Mm. Like, pretty fairly commercially successful. And a lot of these underground acts this would be a good goal of like this is what we want to do this is like the coming from because the misfits are so weird because they weren't like huge when they were around it was like like they weren't a band anymore yeah it's because yeah because of this and like they they were gone before they were successful and like it's it's this is that uh, but they were still a thing. Like everything right. was still around. Well, I think so. it's the, the idea, the idea that, I mean, there's the, it's sort of a subver- a subversive notion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, where it hits the high watermark. Yep. 
that's that out. This is that album. Mm -hmm. And I mean, sufficiently. So this, this era of Danzig is what really cemented the, the fan base. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it would be, it's an epoch, it's an epoch of time that fans that come on mm-hmm. after the fact can go back to and go, yeah. 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 I like that period. Yeah. Me yeah, too. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. So. I, know, I just, I always, hmm. even after learning more and more about Danzig and the Misfits and Sam Hain and Doyle and all this, this uh, extended network of, of Misfits Inc. Sure. That like, they are, the, I, the takeaway I've taken from it and this album just like is that to like a, a point is they have they are the kings of the underground sure because they were nobodies and then it just fucking blew up and to like think about like when this when specifically the misfits when they were around they were just playing fucking local shows and like they had a name torrent yeah yeah but torrent was minimal yeah and, and not the country the world it was the coast like it was it was not a huge thing like it is now i mean they did a couple jaunts out to la yeah i mean but still like they they were forever at last levels sure sure and then now yeah. they're like 40 years later mm-hmm. they're headlining one of the biggest fests well, in the united states i think and they haven't played together in 30 years <laughs> right. <laughs> right yeah well they're doing another show at the end of the yeah year, it's which... like it's it's the weirdest story. Like underdog story doesn't isn't enough. Doesn't do like, it justice. It's yeah. like this yeah. weird perfect storm of like <laughs> right, right. not being around yeah. and being success. Like what the how? Well, I think this from, would be like if my first band when I was fifteen that was called Oddly Enough <laughs> was just. All of a sudden, like Massive. tomorrow was like our first shitty album we recorded in our buddy's garage just blew the fuck up out of nowhere. Fifteen hundred dollars for a CDR, you know? Yeah, and like <laughs> six of them exist. Like, right, right. like it's well, just I like think, that. I think a lot of that. <clears throat> I think a lot of that has. Okay, this is going to be a long answer. Okay. Okay, so I got a lot bunch of stuff to touch base on. All right, so one, I think at the time, especially around this album. The fact that Glenn intentionally, he sort of starved the starved the, the community. Star, he starved the 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 press, especially, and from 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 giving into. Why don't you talk about the misfits? Yeah, no, that was then. This is now. Yeah, he was literally said that. Maybe he was playing that during, long game during during. during yeah, well, He's playing I mean, that end game. Well, I think there was, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think there was some soreness. Oh, I'm sure. About things. Yeah. And I think a lot of the soreness, one, had to deal with the fact that uh, that Jerry and Doyle, mm-hmm. at the end of The Misfits, they were in a position, they weren't making money off of the band. Mm-hmm. And Glenn was, Glenn was sustaining himself because of the mail order. Yeah. So Glenn was able to do it, but to be able to get Jerry and Doyle to do it around that time, it yeah. uh, wasn't going to happen. So Jerry and Doyle were pretty set on <clears throat> working in their dad's uh, shop, Pro Edge. Yeah. They're the ones that make Pro Edge razor blades. Yeah. That's what Jerry and Doyle did. And they did that all the way up through the Misfits reunion and uh, through the 90s, the Resurrection era. Yeah. You know, uh, and that's how he makes his guitars. Yeah. Because they had a metal shop. Yeah. 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 And 
I think Glenn kind of looked at it as we worked, I worked really fucking hard on the Misfits and you guys didn't give a fuck about it the first time around. Yeah. So why, why should I, why, why should I, why should I No. this is what I'm doing now and it's better. Yeah. I think that's how, I think that's how Glenn felt about it. Now say what you want about Jerry and Doyle's motives for wanting to work in there, you know, for wanting to do that as opposed to going out and, you know, playing shows constantly. Well, I mean, with the yeah, just, income's income, man. You it is. Live. Yeah. 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 And I get it. 100%, yeah. 100% get it. But you, on top of that, you put Sam Hain where Sam Hain reached the pro level. Yeah. They were able, they were able to do it. Yeah. They were able to do it. And a lot of that, I think came from the momentum of the misfits. Oh yeah, for sure. Because Glenn, all Glenn has to do, he's doing the mail order for all the Mitzvahs back catalog. Boom. Mm -hmm. There's a new, there's a new band on the order sheet. Yeah. And I mean like, Sam Hain, what's this? Yeah. And I mean like, I mean, look at it right now. We're supposed to be discussing this Danzig album. We've been on a rant for like 10 minutes about the Misfits. (laughs) Well, I, well, here's, here's, I think it, I think it's relevant though. You, you ask, you you ask, well, look at them because they've lasted for decades and decades and decades without doing anything. (laughs) Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Danzig, Mm -hmm. the band, yeah, they got massive. Yeah. They were fucking massive. They were opening for Metallica on the black album tour. Yeah. No joke. It's, that's enormous. That's fucking enormous. That's huge, huge, mega level. Did they open for Metallica the whole tour? <clears throat> Not the whole tour, but okay. there was a lot of, when you go back in the press, there's a lot of, they're the next Metallica. Really? There, there was a lot of that. Oh, you know, When wow. I interviewed yeah. Erie a couple of years That's ago. That's funny, because he was probably way older than the guys in Metallica. <laughs> a, probably a little bit. But 10 years older, probably. Erie's. Well, I mean, he was 28 in 1983, I think. So, oh, well, I guess not. Yeah, yeah not yeah. that crazy. But because because he was because people would people would say, "Well, can you want to talk about the Misfits?" No. Yeah. N- no. No, I'm not doing it. But even still, you know I mean? like that, and it creates it causes that click. Oh, I, well, why? why? Yeah. But I, even still, I gotta go find it out, and then boom, fucking Legacy of Brutality gets put out. Um, well, collection wanted to. Well, hold on, let me give him time around right. Yeah. So eighty, eighty, late eighty two, Earth AD, eighty, eighty one, Walk Among Us, Static Age didn't come out until ninety seven. So ninety two, around that time, that would have been collection one and two and Legacy of Brutality. Mm-hmm. Those are both. All three of those are comp albums different sessions, Mm -hmm. different releases, that sort of thing where it's all in there. And when you get something like collection one and two released, people are like, Oh cool. Sweet. You get all the misfit stuff up to that point. That was pretty much everything from the misfits. You're just not getting multiple versions of the songs. And he just sort of puts that out quietly. Yeah. And doesn't talk about it a lot. And then, Legacy of Brutality comes out. Erie Vaughn and Glenn did a bunch of redubs, kind of redid the album. That gets released quietly on the side while Danzig is happening. And yeah. Danzig's at, the, you know, they're doing press. They're talking about what's going on with Danzig. That's where every time it comes up, do you want to talk about the Misfits? Nope. Not going to do it. Like we said, it creates that why. And it creates a hunger. Yeah. It creates a hunger. And then all of a sudden, people start fixating on it. And I think. I don't necessarily think, like you said, was he playing the long game? 
I don't it just think kind of was a byproduct of the time. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's just, yeah. it's just, I don't know, man. It's just weird. It's just, whenever we talk about anything to do with this, that's the aspect of it that just fucking blows my mind. Right. Like, uh, wh- how and why? Well, like, even even now, when you look at when you look at the misfits in the greater context of the Danzig universe, yeah, the misfits <clears throat> are still like it reached legendary status Mm -hmm. people became so fucking curious about it and even now look what they're doing now they're not touring they're doing these one-off shows that is ensuring payoff the the that that what what got things to this point Mm -hmm. it's still working that's what they're still doing and that and that's glenn just self-limiting yeah going okay i'll give you a little bit you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel and, like- it, and it and it feeds. It feeds. It's like it's it's like it's it's like this sort of self perpetuating cycle. You know, it it, it feeds itself in yeah. that sense. I think there's somewhat of an aspect of the quote unquote the one that got away kind of idea. I mean, because a bit. like I know with I've been in a shit ton of bands. Like I've am talking with two more bands right now. Like I've been in bands my whole life. I've been playing bands, but the one that like is still a sore spot for me is the one that I poured myself the most into and Mm -hmm. nothing came of it. Yeah. And like, that's refractions. Like I, we poured our fucking souls into it and it just fell apart. And I feel like there's a bit of that with it too, where it's like, we've talked about getting back together and seeing what works. And it's like, it's just never gonna, it's never going to be that again. Like as much as I want it to be, like, I think there is a part of it. That's just almost like, it's not it's just it's not gonna be that so let's just not <laughs> like it's it's there's something i think there's i think they all because i'm sure they're pouring themselves into the rest of their music i mean that's just it's it's what happens as musicians but like there's always that one that mm-hmm. you're like this is the fucking one this is the one that's i'm gonna fucking do it this is the one and like it when it doesn't happen like it takes a piece of you like sure, sure. so i think there's a part of that where at one point they thought well fuck that's it and then they've all it's something else has panned out for all of them but that one's still there that one where it didn't work right so right. I, I think there's a bit of that in there but i think the takeaway from it all is this is a good fucking album this is a good fucking album and i enjoy it mm. Mm. and that motherfucker sounds like elvis he does I like it. He sounds a bunch like Elvis. I wish I there's a part of me that I almost wish he would not have gotten into the metals and would have gotten <laughs> into something that would have gotten him noticed more because right. I really think he would have taken off even further. I don't think that's it doesn't make sense for him. When I when I, I keep I keep referencing this interview, go listen to the interview I did with Eri Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Eri's got a lot of interesting things to say, but uh, Erie brought up the fact that when they were doing Danzig four, because there was stuff on there that was way different than what they had done on the first three albums yeah. that everybody was like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. I mean, what's he doing? And Erie said, I thought it made complete sense. He's going back underground. Yeah. He's, yeah. he lived in the underground for the longest, years, for, the yeah. long, for the longest time he's comfortable <clears throat> there. And he did what he did. You know, like you look at black ass, the devil. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. He said, "Okay, I don't like the air up here. Going back under." Yeah, yeah. And it, may, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah. And you think think about it in the career, career, the like the greater career, the the perspective of it that 
you know, he he went from misfits playing halls and you know theaters and places like that. Sam Hain halls and theaters, places like that. Yeah, played, you know, played the um, fucking like the metro places like that. You know, CBGB. So, yeah, <laughs> and and you get to Danzig, and we start doing nationals. So we're doing we're doing sheds, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we're doing stadiums, and then we get we go through that big spike. And then we're we go back down to bigger theaters, halls, mm-hmm. stuff like that. <clears throat> he spent more time in in the halls and theaters than mm-hmm. he spent in the in the stadiums. He's comfortable there. Yeah, that's, that's what's worked for him, and it's able. He knows that it's able to. Well, you can sustain. Yeah, from this that sort of thing. So how it relates to the long game, you know, like we were talking about, it's he's comfortable at that level, and he knows it can work. He's, yeah. he's, he's, I know de- how to do this. Yes, already. he's developed. Yeah. He's developed a business model that he knows. Okay, this will work. It's yeah. a, we'll be successful. It'll be fine. That sort of thing. So, you know, the great, the greater context of of the album. It's obviously like we said, the commercial peak. Mm-hmm. That and Thrall, the EP after that. They're huge. They're yep. huge at that point. But what's neat about that to me is that they they reached a level that it was able to sufficiently carry them mm-hmm. through. I guess what I, it carried him through what I think you could best call it the lean times. Yeah. I mean, but he was still able to retain his audience. I think that's, yeah. what, that's what's fascinating about this album. So it's agreed album rock. It's got lasting impact, et cetera. It's et cetera, all et cetera. there. The yeah. whole package. Yeah. Yeah. So. Feels like we're rapping. Yep. Yeah. How the gods kill. How the gods kill. Probably harshly. Without mercy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. I think a Zeus, like, tearing someone in half. I, I went to Odin. Oh, Odin. Because Odin is a very war, a war god. They're right. all war gods. Zeus is kind of bratty. Yeah, Zeus is a shit. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Fuck you, Zeus. Like, you Zeus is like, Zeus jackass. is like Odin's little brother. <laughs> right. I just want to be Odin. Odin's so cool. <laughs> I could throw lightning too. I don't like Hermes. <laughs> sure. I bet Zeus in college had like a popped collar and like <laughs> doing keg stands and board shorts and he rode a longboard and <laughs> thought about like, hit gonna, on hit on high school girls. I'm gonna get some roofies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Use the word strange. I wanna get some strange. <laughs> oh my god, stop. Yeah. Hitting on freshman chicks. Fresh freshman high school chicks. <laughs> I found, <laughs> Zeus is the worst. <laughs> anyway. Alright, go listen to How the Gods Kill. Indeed. Um that's another episode of Music of the Light Blood. Rapping Music of the Light Blood, something old. Something new. What are you listening to? Happy Dan's <laughs> 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 <laughs>